did we do in a world before selfies? Again, you know, I mentioned the Grand Canyon. We would go to the Grand Canyon and just be wow. We would just be in the moment, right? Just this is so cool and just take it all in. Uh, but now, of course, we have to, uh, you know, we just view things differently. Well, I want to tell you this this morning, and, and I use all of those silly illustrations just to set this up. You know, in the Christian life, there, there really are no selfies. Uh, the Christian life, really, it's not about you at all. Uh, there's only a Savior. Jesus is the image that we take a picture of. Jesus is the one who is in the foreground of our life. And what I want to show you today is that in the Christian life, there's, a, there's really a fine line between following Jesus and following self. And sometimes that line gets blurred. And the one person that's going to get in the way of your calling, uh, you know, if you remember several weeks ago, I preached a message on your calling, the difference between an occupation and a vocation. If anyone's going to get in the way of your calling, if anyone's going to get in the way of you fulfilling what God has, has called you to do and to bring him glory, that person is you. All right, so Matthew chapter 16, we're going to see this great temptation that we have to make ourselves the center of attention. So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 16. And uh, we're going to look at this verse and, and following. Now, I don't want to read all of this because there's just so much here in this one verse. But I just want to tell you for further study, if you'd go home and really read this passage and meditate on it, that he gives four statements why you shouldn't glory in yourself. But we're just going to look at Matthew chapter 16. And really just verse 24 in its context here. So the Bible says in verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me. Okay, so don't, don't read this and think, well, he's just there with the twelve. Okay, that's not what's happening here. Um, you know, we know that other people followed Christ uh, than the twelve disciples. He had other followers. And really he's speaking here to, to, to a larger group. And he says this, if anyone, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Okay, so two insights from this text, very simple, and they, they're right out of the text. So the first one is this, in order to, to follow Jesus, you need to first, number one, deny self. Okay, you need to deny self. It's very simple right here in the text. Now, the word deny here is an interesting word. Uh, it's the same thing that Peter's going to do in the courtyard when, you know, people are there going to ask him, hey, do you know, do you know Jesus? Do you know this guy? And, and he says, never met the guy. You know, I've never met him. I don't know who you're talking about. I've never seen him before. So, so to deny means to completely disown yourself from something or someone. Okay, it means to completely cut yourself off, to, to uh, renounce completely. So this is a full renunciation of a particular person, and that person is you. So the question is, why is this such a big deal? You know, why does Jesus even mention this here in this passage? Well, let's go further back in the account here of what Jesus has just asked these guys. Okay, so he, he brings them to Caesarea Philippi, which was a short-term mission strip. And um, it would have been like going to, um, I, I don't know, Las Vegas. That's probably not even strong enough. You know, it would probably be in someone worse, somewhere worse than that. Uh, Caesarea Philippi was a place that was surrounded by, by pagan gods. And, and he sits the boys down and he asks them this question. He says, hey, who do, who do men say that I am? What are people saying about me? 
And of course, you know, we know this passage well. Some say, well, some say that you're John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, okay, but who do you say that I am? And that's the question that really all of us have to answer. Who, who do you say that Jesus is? Not your mom, not your dad, not your grandmother. Who do you say that I am? And Peter surprisingly gets it right. Apparently he's actually listening. Uh, because Jesus says, the only way you can say that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, is if my Father told you. And then Jesus says, well, I have your attention. Let me go ahead and tell you guys this. Okay, and look here in the text, Matthew 16 and verse 21. Jesus tells them, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So he's introducing this to his disciples here that, hey, listen, I'm going to... Uh, go to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer there, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to raise from the dead. Verse 22, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. So Peter says, uh-uh, there ain't no way. We're not going to let it happen. It's not going to happen. Verse 23, but he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, Thou art an offense unto me, and notice this, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So Peter says here, Jesus, listen, we love the fact that you're the Christ, and you're the Son of the living God, but you probably want to tone down this talk about death. You know, it's kind of disturbing some of the boys, and, you know, we're just not sure. You're going to lose some, you're going to lose some followers because it's kind of depressing. And at face value, we read this, it looks like Peter's really concerned about the group. But if you begin to peel back the onion, you learn that really Peter is only concerned about what? Himself. And Jesus, you know, he says, we didn't follow, you know, someone who's going to die. That's not why I'm here. That's not why any of us are following you. We want someone who's going to reign. We want a powerful God. We want uh, a God who, who uh, will give us, you know, power and a God who has power. We want, you know, seats at the best table. And, and by the way, can I have the one at the right? And can my brother have the one at the left? And, you know, we want power. We want authority. We want our, our peers to recognize us. All of this talk about death, we don't want that. And in just a moment, here's what we see, which is kind of funny. Peter goes from getting the Honorary Disciple of the Year Award to being in cahoots with Satan. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. And here's what Peter shows us in this passage. Peter shows us that, that we, even with the best intentions, can never put confidence in the flesh. We can never put confidence in our flesh. I believe with all my heart, when Peter said to Jesus, I will never deny you. You know, everyone else, all these other guys, they'll deny you. Listen, I'll die for you. I believe that Peter could have taken a, a lie detector test and have passed. I mean, I, I truly believe he believed that with all of his heart, but it goes to show us we can't put confidence in the flesh. Now, when you hear this uh, idea of denying self, a couple things come to, to mind. Uh, the first one is this. Denying self doesn't mean that you have to be miserable. Okay, we live in, the, in a culture of individualism where, you know, it's all about you. It's all about what you want. It's all about your dreams and your goals. And, you know, what, what, what do you want? And so we hear this, 
deny self, and we think, you know, man, Jesus is trying to, to squash my dreams. He's trying to pour, pour cold water on, you know, my hopes and my goals. And I don't really believe that's what he's doing here. What he's trying to show us is this, that on our best day without him, we will still amount to nothing in the economy of God. Uh, Jesus is trying to show Peter that if you exalt self, you have no power. Right? But if you deny self, you will live in power. Uh, here's another thing that comes to my mind. Don't think that deny self means self-hatred. Okay, that's not what he's saying here. He does, he's not saying here that you, to hate yourself. The false self here is another way to say it. The fake self. It's the self that you think you have to be because the world has hurt you and the world has attacked you. And so you put up these barriers and, and, and you have this fake self. And Jesus is telling them here, hey, listen, you need to deny uh, self. He doesn't say to hate yourself. Now, I know in another passage, he actually does say that, that, hey, if you don't hate your mother and your father and all your own life also, you can't be my disciple. Uh, but even there, he's not saying that you should hate yourself, but that you should love yourself less. And, you know, we hear that a lot today, like psychology, that, oh, you just need to love yourself. And uh, no, I think our problem is we love ourselves too much. Uh, you know, if, if, if we're going to be used of God, we really need to learn to deny, to deny ourselves. Now, some of you here, you may have some form of self-hatred. You know, one of the, the leading things that, that teenagers are dealing with now is suicide. Uh, suicide and gender confusion are the two top things that, that teens are dealing with right now. And, uh, you know, some of you may have some self-hatred, but I want you to listen to this, okay? Listen close. Uh, God does not make mistakes, okay? When God created you, you are not a mistake. You have a purpose. God has a plan for you. The Bible says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has, God loves you. Okay, and, and, and he has a reason for you uh, to live. So don't, don't think of denying self as, well, I have to hate myself. Uh, but you may say, well, why, why does he tell us to deny self? Well, here's why. Because after the fall of Adam and Eve, the self, okay, the flesh, it was marred by sin. We are broken. We are sinful people. And so on our best day, the Bible says, we offer up to him filthy rags on our best day. And so we need to deny self. And before you're going to find true life, you have to deny yourself. But it doesn't just end there. Notice here in our text, Jesus says you don't only have to deny self, but number two, you have to die to self. Okay, there's a difference. And look at it here, Matthew 16, verse 24. He said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. He says, take up your cross. Luke 9.23 adds the word what? Daily. Right? We are to daily take up whose cross? Your mom's cross? Your dad's cross? Your wife's cross? No. He says, daily you take up your cross. Now, this would have been shocking to these uh, first century hearers. Why? Because, uh, you know, they didn't die by crucifixion. The Jews really didn't even have a category for crucifixion. In fact... What was the, the, the most common way that they ended a person's life? It was by stoning, right? So for Jesus to, to say this, what Jesus is getting at is the fact that, that we have to die to self, not just deny self, although I think the order is important. Before we can die to self, we have to deny self. So why is, why is dying what Jesus is talking about? Well, we have to go all the way back to this principle that God set up in the Old Testament. 
Okay, so if you have your Bibles, let's make our way to Exodus chapter 33. All right, and I want to show you this principle that we see in the Old Testament. And uh, what we're going to see here is that we can't come to God on our own terms. It's just not the way it works. And you may say, well, I don't, you know, I just don't know if I believe in all this. Well, that's the way it is. This is the way God's, God's put it forth. And God says if, if, if we want to come to him, we have to come to him on his terms. So Exodus 33, this is a passage, I love this passage, where Moses is, is very bold with God. Uh, he's already seen God do some miraculous things, but he wants more. And that's a good question for us to ask ourselves today. Do you want more of God? I mean, do you, do you really? Do, do we really want more of God? More of his power, more of his presence. This is what Moses wanted. He wanted more. He said, God, listen, I, I love what you did at the Red Sea. I mean, that was amazing how you split the water. We walked across on dry ground and all the plagues, all the things that led up to that. And coming down from the mountain, the fire and the lightning. God, I've seen you do some incredible things. But look at what he says here in Exodus 33, verse 18. And he, Moses, he said, I beseech thee. Okay, that, that word is, is he, he, he was begging God. I can almost just picture this in my mind. If it were possible, he would, he would come to God and just grab him by his shirt, pull him close and say, God, I beg you. I'm beseeching you. I beg you. What's he say? Show me thy glory. And so Moses, he says, man, I've seen, I've seen so many great things, but God, I want more of you. I want you to show me your glory. But what's God say? Verse 20, two verses down. And he said, thou, thou canst not see my face for there shall no man see me and live. Okay. And so here's the principle. There's a connection in the Bible between God's glory and our death. Okay, when Moses asked to see the glory of God, God said, only dead men see my face. And that's a principle really all throughout Scripture. Because if you remember, you know, the sacrificial system that was set up by God, once a year, the high priest would come into the presence of God on the Day of Atonement. But the only way he could come into the, into the presence of God was by means of what? Sacrifice, right? A dead animal, sacrifice. So he would have to sacrifice an innocent animal, and then he would actually take the blood of that animal, and he would put it on his ears, he would put it on his, on his fingertips, and he would put it on his toes. And you say, well, what, what does that have to do with anything? It's because he was going to prepare himself for the next seven days to consecrate himself, to go into the presence of God with the blood of this dead animal on him to show God that he was truly dead. And here's what he knew. If, if he was not dead to sin, if he was not dead to self, then he would be a dead man, literally. And, uh, you know, have you ever heard this term, dead man walking? You know, this is a term that, that uh, prison guards, people would use for people on death row. When they would walk and, and go to the gas chamber or the electric chair or whatever, they would holler out, dead man walking, right there, dead man walking. And that's kind of the idea uh, here, this, pre, this priest had, would have had the same feeling. Like when he prepared for seven days, I really believe that when he would leave his house before uh, the Day of Atonement, he kissed his wife goodbye, he kissed his kids goodbye, and he said, you may never see Dad again. You know, he, they actually would put a, a rope on his ankle in case he would die in the Holy of Holies, and that way they could pull him out because no one dared enter into the presence 
of, of the Lord. And so here's what I want you to understand. God sees dead men and it draws him near. Right? God sees death and it actually draws God closer. John the Baptist knew this too. In the New Testament, John the Baptist said when Jesus was coming, what did he say? I must decrease so that he must increase. What was John the Baptist saying? Less of me, more of him. And that's the attitude that we really need to have as a believer. Less of me, more of him. And so, so what does this mean? What's, what this means in the New Testament is death is always connected to these three things. Humility, brokenness, and repentance. Okay, so when God says, listen, you need to deny self, you need to die to self. You say, well, how do we die to self? These three things. Humility. We come to him with humility. Brokenness. And repentance. You see, some of you are not saying less of me, more of God. You're actually saying more of God so that I can have more of me. And that's how many of us really live our Christian lives. And that's not salvation. You know, some of you are trying to add God to an already consumed and busy life, but that's not following Jesus. You know, you may have said a prayer years ago because you wanted Jesus to fix your problems, but that's not following Jesus because you're still in control, you're still calling the shots. It's still all about you. You're still making the decisions. And you're still, you know, really the king of your own heart. Listen to that. This is such a cool concept. In the Old Testament, you know, God had a temple for his people. Right? This was like the holiest place on earth for the Jews. That we had, they had a temple and, uh, here on earth. And, but in the New Testament, God created a people to be his temple. Right, So the temple was the holiest place on earth for the Jews. Inside the temple was this throne room. And in the throne room sat the very presence of God, the glory of God. And if that's the case, and you now house the presence of God in the temple of your body as a believer, here's the question I want to ask you. Who is occupying the throne of your heart? Who, who is really on the throne of your heart? Who is in charge? Is it you or is it God? Who has center stage in the inner chamber of your heart? You or God? Uh, because one thing I know about God is that he will not share the platform with anyone. There's no room. God, God's not going to share that throne. Either he's in control or he's not in control. And I have a feeling, you know, some of you may read this passage and you say, you know, I haven't denied self. I haven't picked up my cross. I, I'm not following him. In fact... You know, I, I, I've exalted myself and I've actually run away from the cross. You see, Jesus is, is not Lord and Savior of your life. You are. And, you know, we, at least me, you know, I, I, I'm praying here for the fire of God to fall. I've been praying that God would send a revival in, in my heart and in my life. And that God would, that we would experience some of that here. And I'm praying that just the fire of heaven would fall on this place. But here's the thing. The fire of God does not fall on an empty altar. You know, we're, we're praying for God to descend on this place and to send fire. But he's looking and he's saying, you know, there's, there's no sacrifice. There's no sacrifice on the, on the altar. God says, I'll bring the fire when, when, when you bring the sacrifice. And you say, well, what's the sacrifice? Well, Paul tells us, Romans 12, 1. What's it say? We know it well, that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. So I, I, want, I want to ask all of us, ask myself the same question. You know, I want us to get real with God.
that we would really get real with him. I want you to ask God to just put his finger on the pulse of a problem in your life. And, and maybe pray, like, God, would you reveal any self-sufficiency in me? Uh, reveal arrogance, reveal selfish agendas, reveal pride in my life, reveal where I just I want to take credit for, for things. And what some of you are going to find is that you haven't been following Jesus, you've really been following yourself. And for some people, you know, I talk to people and, you know, they wonder why they have no power in their life. You know, maybe you've even said these same things to yourself. Why, why, why don't I experience the power of God in my life? Why am I so dry? You know, why, why don't I have joy? Why don't I have intimacy with the Father? And, and really, the answer is brutal. It's because you're empty. It's because you're empty of God and you're full of yourself. And you see, God cannot fill us with his spirit in an already full vessel. You pray, you know, God, fill me with your spirit. And God is saying to us, there's no room. There's, there's, I can't fit. You're so full of yourself. Life is all about you. It's all about what you want. And, and, and we don't leave room for God to work. Now you empty out you and I'll fill you with my spirit. And I get what I'm getting at is, and what God has been speaking to me about is that I would keep pressing in, that I would keep seeking the Lord and repenting and being humble and being broken about my sin, that I can invite God into my life. And, and I want to be full of God. And I want God to, I want God to use me. I want God to use our church. Do you want God to use our church? I love our church. I love our church family, and, and I'm so excited about the future of our church. And I know that, um, you know, we're going to be going through a lot of different transitions uh, here. And so some people are going to have to step up, you know, and do things that, that maybe you're not comfortable doing. But I'm excited. And uh, I pray for our church every day. I do. I pray that God would use this, this place right here, that, that God would use you and your communities that you live in. And I've been praying for God to really help our church grow spiritually and that, he would, that we would grow numerically. Man, I'd love to see people saved and baptized, discipled. And I, and I have a feeling you, you want the same thing. And uh, I really want God to move and use our church. Well, listen, he doesn't anoint a building Right, he anoints a body of people, and so if God is going to use our church, it's it's nothing about this corner. It's not about these buildings, but it's made up of of us as individuals. Does God have Does God have room uh, in your heart? Is God really leading you? Do you know Him? You know He doesn't empower a ministry. He empowers Christian men and women. He doesn't fill organizations. He fills men and women. And someone once said, too, that, you know, he's not looking for better methods. He's looking for better men and women. And uh, we need people who are just sold out to God, just all in. And, uh, and maybe that's not you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, you know, I used to serve. I used to serve in a ministry years ago, but maybe since, you know, ever since COVID, you know, I haven't. You know, I haven't really been back 100%. And 
And maybe you're just questioning yourself uh, this morning. You know, maybe, you know, I could do more. I want more of God. I want to be used more. Well, God's looking for, for men and women who he can trust. Can God trust you? Will you put your life today at the disposal of God? You know, I promise, I promise you, it'll be a spiritual marker in your life. I remember, you know, several times in my life where God did a work in my heart. And, uh, and I came to an altar and, 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 I, and I just got things right with him. And I was so broken. Uh, I remember when, when God called me to, into full-time ministry. I was at a prayer advance with Harold Vaughn. Many of you know Harold. And Tom Farrell was preaching. And I don't, I don't even remember the message. I don't. But I remember uh, every year they, they would do this thing called the Sweet Hour of Prayer. And uh, they would give you this pamphlet and you would get alone and you would just read scripture. And there were prompts, you know, prayer prompts. And I just remember, man, I could go back to that camp and I could find that tree where I met God. I met with God. And God did break me. And um, it was a very humbling thing. And that was a spiritual marker in my life. And, uh, and I'm inviting all of us this morning to do that same thing. Would you offer yourself a living sacrifice? Would you come and pray in just a moment when pastor plays a song of invitation? Would you come and just say, God, you know, I, I have been full of myself. And God, I pray that you would empty me. So that I would make room for you, God, fill me and use me and just come with empty hands and ask God to, to use you. God wants to. And, and, and we need you. We need each other. And so we need to say, God, I'm, just, I'm going all in. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm going to die. And I'm going to follow you with the rest of my life. And I pray that, that many of us would make that decision. If we haven't, maybe some of you have. But if you haven't, I pray that, that today would be the day that we make that decision. All right, I'm going to ask Pastor if he'll come to the, to the piano. And I'm going to pray for us. And um, if, if we'll go ahead and stand, just every head bowed, every eye closed. And when I'm finished praying, or even while I'm praying, as Pastor plays, if, if, if God has spoken to you in a specific way, uh, I would ask that you would just come and pray and pray for God to help you. All right, Lord, we thank you so much for uh, this day that you've given us. God, I'm thankful for the opportunities that you've given us to serve you. And God, I'm sorry for the times that, that I've said no to you. God, because I'm, I'm so selfish. I, I just, I want what I want. And God, that's not right. And I pray that you would help me, help me to, to be empty. God, I pray that I would deny, deny self, that I would die to self, die to my dreams and my wants and my wishes. And God, that you would come and, and fill me with your spirit. And for everyone here, everyone here today, God, that you would use us. God, help us to see revival. God, the world is crazy. There are so many just crazy things going on. And God, we don't know. We don't know how much longer we have. But God, I'd love to see you move. I'd love to see this place become 